What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing out and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find the gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast feed you're using. If you're a developer who would like to participate in our Spotlight interview series of special episodes, please reach out through any of our channels. We would love to hear from you. And we're now on YouTube. So if you or someone you know prefers to listen to shows on YouTube, please recommend them Found Bites GRS on YouTube. All of our episodes will be available as thumbnail videos with audio synth animations, but we'll also be putting up the videos of the interviews we've done so far, as well as some other exclusive content. So check it out. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. Narita Boy is the game for this week's episode. Narita Boy is a 2D action adventure game. And a lot of DNA from games like Gris, Inside, Katana Zero, which we talked about on the podcast in one form or another. And also a game called Headlander, which we did way back. So definitely that 2D adventure vibe uh, kind of side-scrolling. The game was originally released in March of 2021 on PC, Mac, the Amazon Luna PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. The game was developed by Studio Koba, which is a small team out of Spain. And this is their first game, so shout out to Studio Koba. The game was published by Team 17, and we've definitely heard that name before. They publish a lot of indie games. They publish the Overcooked games, the Moving Out games, Blasphemous, and a game called Monster Sanctuary, which uh, I just started playing and I'm pretty stoked about. The game had physical releases in November of 2021. A limited Run did a release on PS4 and Switch. They did a standard edition with just the box. And then they did a collector's edition, which had some cool things like a cassette tape, floppy disk, things like that. And in April of 2021, so right after release, uh, a website called Pinfinity teamed up with the publisher and they did a techno edition and this was in limited quantities but it released with this big arcade cabinet and lots of cool things and I think it was for uh, a benefit a charity benefit Um, so there were only a limited number of those the game also had a vinyl soundtrack release and this initially started out as a kickstarter bonus because this was a kickstarted game But in September of 2021, it was released on their website, and they're still selling it, and I actually did just buy it. The game released with an MSRP of $24.99, the limited run editions, the standard for $39.99, and the collectors for $74.99. They are not available from that website, but you can probably check out eBay prices. Uh, The vinyl soundtrack is U.S. equivalent of $28, but I actually paid more for the shipping 
because it's coming from Spain. So almost double that price, actually a little more than double to get that. And that Techno Edition from Pinfinity with the Cabinet, those were released at about a U.S. equivalent of 11000 uh, so it's an old-school arcade cabinet. Again, limited quantities, so maybe check out pictures of that. The game has a runtime of about seven hours. If you're doing some of the extra things, and there's really not that much extra, it will probably take you over eight It does have a Platinum Trophy on PlayStation Platform. There are some missables if you're going for the Platinum Trophy. I definitely already missed a lot of the things. But me, I got this on sale on PSN for $12.49. And I've put in, to this point, about eight hours. I am near the end. I just got a trophy that said the final push because I'm headed to the capital. So I'm almost done. Uh, No one really recommended this game to me. I'd heard some kind of chatter about it. I know Dustin Furman on uh, Sacred Symbols PlayStation Podcast was talking about it briefly and just that it looked interesting. I bought this a while back because I also thought that it looked interesting, kind of like a combination between Tron and uh, Headlander, which we talk about. And so I've seen it on sale a lot. I did buy it a while back, and I decided to fairly recently dive in. Let's talk gameplay for Narita Boy. So at its heart, this is a 2D side-scrolling adventure game. There are some instances where there'll be some action. There'll be some others where there's some platforming. But at its heart, it's definitely an adventure game. But let's start in with just the basic move set of your character. So you're going to move. You're going to jump. You're going to be able to talk to people. You're going to be able to interact with things. In terms of the platforming, you're going to be doing jumping, going up, through platforms you can jump down through platforms so similar to like apotheon which we talked about way back when you can climb walls and there'll be certain coloration on the wall to let you know that you're able to climb it you'll run into some hazards like pits and pools and when you jump into them you'll actually reset and lose a life point there's a lot of far jumping and you have to be kind of precise there is some sensitivity with the stick and you have to get used to it it is pretty sensitive while you're jumping so uh, just be aware of that and then as you get further into the game there'll be some advanced move sets that you'll get a lot of them have to do with different combat moves that you can do with your sword and that will allow for some advanced platforming whether it's jumping higher uh, whether it's dashing in the air breaking through floors overall i would say in terms of the platforming that's advanced uh, kind of a medium challenge nothing that's really uh, banging your head against a wall but some of it will be things that you need to get in order to progress almost like a key move Let's talk about progression, just in the micro sense. So it is like a side-scroller, so you are moving back and forth. Again, that 2D view. There's going to be a lot of situations where when you get to the edge of the screen, you can go to the next screen. 
but it's not going to always be that way. And it's kind of inconsistent actually. So a lot of times like I'm just testing out both ways to see if I can go further. Um, so it can get a little tedious to constantly be checking, but the game does have some visual tells that are helpful. Like there'll be signs that are like arrow this way, or like there's a hand pointing this way. Um, so often it's going to tell you, you're going to be walking through doors. And so when you scroll up to them, you'll just press up on the joystick or whatever. And sometimes these will be unlocked and open. Sometimes these will be locked and then you'll go through. And then again, you'll kind of start the process over of like, oh, should I go all the way left, all the way right? Can I go on to the next screen? Are there doors here? There'll also be portals that you jump in and it'll just take you to like another room. And then you'll probably have to do something in that room and then jump right back in the portal. And then there'll be these transporters where you sometimes have to meditate. And the meditate is the character will sit and you'll just have to press a button really fast. Uh, so it's kind of that old school, maybe in, from like Mario Party, like mini game type thing. Some of these areas are in a loop. Actually, only thinking of one area, the blue area, and I didn't realize it. But eventually, I just kept going right, and I wound up coming back to the first place that I was in. I don't know if they're all that way. At least I didn't notice that they were, but definitely the blue area is. For pacing and progressing in the larger sense, so a lot of what you're going to be doing is... You're going to have a door that's locked and you're going to need to find a key. And then when you go through there, you'll go through and you'll be stopped by another locked door and you'll have to find a key. So there's this constant finding of keys, gophering, whether it's by talking to people, whether it's by doing something like beating an enemy or something like that. Sometimes the journeys will be long, sometimes they'll be short. And so there's this inconsistency in kind of the gameplay variation. Like sometimes you'll need to unlock three doors in sequence and you'll do it in a span of two minutes just by going and talking to someone and getting a key using the key going through the door talking to someone getting another key using the key and so it's not like spaced out that frequently or consistently and that can be a little frustrating sometimes you'll get it from an npc but you have to hear like a long-winded explanation and then you'll get the key that is something that kind of bothers me because I feel like I was just like, okay, talk, 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 just give me the key. You know, so it's almost like the story is kind of adjacent to the gameplay. It's just there, you know, to get the key. The character is just there to get the key. Uh, so sometimes I wasn't really that intent on my listening to what the character was saying. And then sometimes it'll be like a boss battle that you have to beat uh, to get something to unlock or something like that. There are also these portal puzzles. These are a nice change of pace, and I actually really like these. So basically you'll get to this portal and it'll have six or seven options of like these squares that are filled in and there's three different colors. And so you have to find in the area what each color is shaped like and it'll be like in the foreground or the background. It won't ever really be that too far. If you play the newest God of War or uh, 2018, you'll know that those, there's those chests that need like three runes in order to open them. So this is similar to that, um, but I did find myself like taking pictures of them just in case I forgot, but I never really needed to go back and look at my pictures. They were always fairly close by. There's not really much guidance in the game. There's no map. There's no menu where you can look at a quest log or anything like that. And again, I feel like the NPCs are only there for like story exposition, but they're not really that important in terms of understanding what's going on you do have a quest list that can pop up when you hit the button on the left side of the screen and each quest kind of has one point for like a how to do it it's never really that clear whether you know where you're going or not and if that even matters because most of the time it's just 
keep traveling until you hit a dead end and then you should find a key there somewhere and then go back to you know the last locked door that you saw and that'll hopefully open but sometimes i did have to kind of fish around for like okay it's telling me to go to this door or go to this forest door but that's not this door this is the door to the tavern or something like that a common theme as i'm playing this game is that i kind of feel disconnected from any kind of lore or anything like that and i just feel like i'm a gopher running around just trying to figure out how to open this door or where to go next as opposed to like learning about the story and actually getting information and being like oh I need to go to that place that's the place that had the door that looked like this or the enemy that looked like this was there I didn't really find that I was remembering too many things because there wasn't really any kind of lore or story that was grabbing me or telling me that I needed to remember it there are optional quests really few and far between in fact as I was going through there was only one quest that I got in my little quest log that actually said optional. I definitely wanted more of this. I wanted more reason to explore this area or this world. And I understand that maybe that would have made things more confusing or I would have gotten lost more often, but I feel like I actually would have gotten more from the game if I were able to look around and have more options or more things to get that were optional. There are also hidden rooms in some of these rooms, and there are a couple trophies that are linked to it. I didn't find any of these, and maybe it's because I wasn't looking. But again, I feel like the game wasn't really training me to look for things, because it was always just like, find this one key and open this door, and there wasn't really anything else of consequence around. And so most of the quests that you're going to get in your log are just like, you have to go to this place, you have to open this door, you have to find this key. Other than that, the only thing that's going to be different that you're going to have to do is these creator memories. And these are basically slow sequences, kind of like Katana Zero, where you're walking through a scenario and you're reading things and you're getting context about the story and you have to do this to progress so it is kind of putting it right in front of you the story in that aspect and and I did enjoy that but it was a bit jarring in terms of the change of pace like I'm running around and maybe fighting enemies and and doing action platforming stuff and then all of a sudden it's just like I stop and then I have to walk and read a lot of things and then of course you have enemy encounters And this is going to, in a lot of ways, impede what you're doing. You're going to be trapped in an enemy encounter, and then you have to beat enemies in order to progress. And so let's get into some of the action, and let's start with you and your character. So if you're looking at the hub and everything that you've got on the left side in terms of meters, you have a health meter, you have your trichroma boxes, and we'll talk about what those are for. You'll have your wildfire cooldown once you start to get the wildfire powers, and then you have your shotgun clip that's got like three bullets. The basic actioning that you're going to be doing is involved with your sword. And you're going to have just a basic melee attack with your sword. You can charge your swing, and the game introduces this as like a home run, and there'll be visual indicators for like when to release it and do a lot of damage in a row. And as you're swinging your sword, there's going to be like combos and timing that I don't quite know, but after like three swings, there'll be a bit of a cooldown before you can swing again. So it took me a while to realize that and get used to that. And then you have your shotgun, which is just like kind of a short projectile. And if you hold that, there's a charge beam that'll shoot kind of everyone in a line. But you have to have a full clip to do the charge beam, whereas the shotgun only takes one bullet. And as you're moving through the game, you're going to get some advanced upgrades. Like I said, you're going to be able to dash. You're going to be able to do different sword moves that'll actually come into play with platforming, as well as doing damage to certain enemies. You'll be able to heal by using your trichroma boxes 
And you'll get introduced to these wildfire power-up things. And it has to do with coloration of enemy and being able to do more damage. Basically, when you get a certain wildfire color power, you can turn it on. And whenever you're around enemies that have that color flame above them, you can easily kill them in like a couple of hits. It does a lot more damage. But it also says that you'll take more damage from those types of enemies when you have that wildfire color on. And once you have it on, there'll be like a meter that pops up and will start to cool down and get smaller and smaller. And once that runs out, you won't be able to use it for a little bit. I talked about how you have these trichroma boxes up in the HUD where your health is. And basically, every time that you hit an enemy, you're going to replenish some of the trichroma box. And you should have four of them, and it'll take time for you to be able to access all four. But basically, whenever you have one of them full, you'll be able to use certain powers. So you'll be able to either heal, or you'll be able to use one of your special beam powers from the different colors that you get. These are all pretty advanced things that you'll get throughout the game. I really like the pacing of how often you're getting these and how they're spaced out. And also, it's really nice that once you get them, you'll go through like a mini battle that has to do with using them as well as like a tutorial instruction. So there's really good pacing with this. The combat in this game is really kinetic and fun, I feel. It's a nice challenge. The first time you go into combat or before you get any of your advanced moves or upgrades, it can seem a bit button mashy, like you're just hitting the sword swipe over and over and over again. But then as you get to see more advanced enemies, as you get some more advanced moves, timing and strategy really start to set in. And I think a third of the way through the game and then all the way the rest through, the combat really starts to be like something that you need to pay attention to. And then often in these encounters, there'll be like multiple waves of enemies. And there's constantly introducing of new types of enemies. And they'll, it'll show you once you see something for the first time. Like it'll pop up a name and pause the screen. Like, oh, this is a dragon or this is a heavy guy or something like that. I like the variation. You've got basic enemies that are just slow moving and kind of hit you. There are heavy ones that swing heavy. There are ones that shoot projectiles. There are ones that fly. There are ones that summon other enemies. You might even have some battles where like multiple colors are present. And so if you want to do more damage to one, like you're going to need to focus on that enemy for a little bit until it's dead and then you'll have to turn it off and then switch to another color if you want to go that route but you can always just do regular damage but as you're fighting you're definitely going to take damage and you've got like 10 spaces of hit points up at the top every time you get hit you're going to take a certain amount of damage if you want to heal basically you need one of those trichroma boxes to be full but healing only heals one health point at a time. So if you have like two of the trichroma boxes full and you get time in the middle of a battle, like, but it's going to be this kind of ebb and flow of like taking damage versus hitting them, getting a respite to heal. Um, and sometimes you can really prolong battles even if it seems like you're at a loss. If you have no more health, you will die. And I don't think there's really any consequence to dying because if you do, you'll just go to a screen and this graphic will come up and this guy will say rest in force and then you'll come back to like the nearest checkpoint, which normally isn't that far at all. Especially if there's an enemy encounter, it'll be just like right before the encounter and then you just go back in. I found that like if I have low health and I'm about to do a boss battle or go to an encounter, I might just jump into a pit or a pool and lose one health, do rest and force, and then just be back where I am with full health. And then speaking of bosses, I really do like the varied complexity of these. 
Uh, some of them are pretty simple, kind of like a field boss or an area boss that's not the big boss of that region. Some of them are pretty one note, like they just do one move and you have to dodge. It's like this one gimmick, but others... They're really a great challenge, I feel. And what I really like is even the ones that are one note in their skill set, the game as a whole doesn't lean on like one thing that you have to get right. You can attack these enemies with your sword or with the shotgun, or you can do some of the beam powers or the wildfire stuff, but it's not like one thing to do in this game is always going to trump or anything like that. Um, It's kind of testing you being able to do different things. In terms of accessibility, there's no difficulty options in this game. I felt like progressing through this game, even with some of the puzzles, was fairly simple, so I don't think that'll impede your progress that much. There were some encounters that I had with enemies and with bosses where I was really banging my head against it, and sometimes it was situations where I didn't know how to hit a specific enemy or a specific boss, whether it's because they were blocking me or something like that. If I ran into a wall like that, the strategy was always just let them attack and not hit you, and like maybe their sword will get stuck or they'll get stuck on one side, and then you just kind of hack away. But the game does autosave. I don't know the frequency, but any time that you put a key in or you take a key out, there's like a cassette that says it's autosaving, and that's often when uh, I wound up quitting the game if I needed to. Let's talk about the vibe of this game. Right off the bat, I have to say, the vibe of this game is initially why I bought it, why I started playing it, why I kept playing it, and why eventually I wound up doing an episode on this game. So let's dive into this, and let's start with the visuals. This is holy 80s futuristic, and a lot of similarities to Headlander, a game that we covered way back when. In so many ways, it's got that 80s techno vibe, but it's like 80s when we thought the future would look like this or something like that. And it's super pixelated, almost looks like an Atari 2600 game or something like that. Colors, bright neons, and they're very vibrant. Everything kind of stems off of the colors yellow, blue, and red. And there are like these three different regions that you go to. One that's the yellow, one that's the blue, so on and so forth. In everything else, like the structures and the enemies, there's this real dark contrast. Like they're black. And then if they have anything kind of highlighting around them or something like that, that's in the color of the area, whether it's red or yellow. And I do like the different areas. Like the blue area, it really speaks to being blue. Like there's a lot of water hazards and everything's kind of cool and really mellow. When you get to the red region, like you feel like you're in hell. It's like fiery and whatnot. And I really like that the game captures like a CRT feel, like an old tube TV. Like it's kind of grainy at times. I know it goes along with being pixelated, but the edges of the screen have the old school like VHS effect where it's like it looks like something's ticking 
all along the sides and anywhere you go it follows on the edges of the screen i really like that and the screen in general and everything on it is kind of faded maybe going along with being grainy and pixelated but it's like kind of muted but your character is like really popping like super bright to kind of stand out and speaking of characters like everyone in the game npcs and you like as everybody's sitting there like everybody's bouncing with the music or fidgeting with the music kind of like shovel knight your character is super silly looking got these really long legs and when you walk it's like your legs are going forward and like almost like a looney tunes character like tom and jerry like almost like you're getting on and off a horse constantly all of these characters are like these digital sprites that don't really have digits but have limbs and they all have a rectangular light or a TV screen as a face. And so it's really just interesting looking at these digital sprites that are like these futuristic digital people with just screens on their face. Scale is another thing that I like in this game. There are some bosses that are just a lot larger than you. Same with NPCs. Same with a lot of these doors. Like I like that scale is very different. This reminds me of games like Blasphemous and Dandera sort of the absurdity that you're talking to this character or you're fighting this boss that's like 10 times the height as you. Indicators are a big thing. Knowing when there's a platform you can jump on or when there's a wall that you can grab. There's like this digital kind of snow dusting that is like in the color of the area. And so that lets you know like, oh, there's a platform there because it's kind of like you can see that light. And I like that the wildfire colors are incorporated with just like a flame over enemies' heads and not like different coloration of the actual enemy because as someone who is colorblind like that can be really tough like i know that i tried to cite that in uh, the game jack move uh, where it's like you can see that they're colored differently but i couldn't always discern it when you see these flames above them to know like which wildfire color to use like it is very obvious like oh that's a blue one that's a yellow one that's a red one the audio in this game is absolutely awesome really really good i told you i just bought the vinyl there's this fun funky like 80s funky really good upbeat music they use a lot of synthesizers and you know you just want to get down like it's so good again reminds me a lot of headlander really like the soundtrack for that and i really love the one in this game and really sets the mood like when you're in the blue area it's like kind of more cool and somber Uh, when you're in a boss like some of the boss music in this game is really good and like has a lot of character not just like oh it's really fast like it's a boss battle like no it, it has like distinct notes and distinct sequences that i really really like and then finally just some thematics obviously i mentioned tron in the beginning of the episode i don't know too much about tron but i know that the idea of like a boy going into a digital game or or something like that there's a lot of that here the game kind of starts that way not to spoil it once you get in everything is digital so the people are digital we talk about things like code and beams and corrupted files and backups and portals Uh, The keys to open the different doors are actually floppy disks. There's this idea of the creator, like who created the world, is kind of like who created the game. So there's a little bit of kind of fourth wall breaking. I don't know how much it is literal. I don't know too much about the developers, but I don't want to spoil anything. But I talked about those slow sequences that you're going to go through that are called the creator memories. Like you're going through the story of the creator. And I don't know if it's an actual person in real life, but there are a lot of things in these stories that are really kind of touching. Like their story of loss and love and neglect. 
and addiction and obsession and you know escaping reality so i don't know how much this is like an art imitates life kind of thing like it's really kind of meta i don't know what will happen at the end of the game it'll be interesting what happens and what comes together but those memory sequences i really thought that they were very strong not just in what you were reading or listening to although that's very powerful or sad uh, but the music it really sets this tone like this really feeling for this story and feeling nostalgic and about childhood and you know the growth of a person and and their imagination and I, I just felt a lot coming from them a lot of soul and the idea of your character so you're in this world or game quote unquote and you're the savior you're the chosen one and it kind of reminds me of Grime, a game that we did an episode on a way back where it's like you're the one kind of rising from nothing, like, but you're part of the prophecy and whatnot and defeating evil and the idea that this had to happen again and like there's a cycle. And um, But definitely metaphors in here, again, with the creator, uh, there's some kind of allegory and I'll see that when I see this game through, but that was really a driving force in, in terms of pulling me in and drawing me in to keep going in this game. Let's wrap up the conversation about Narita Boy. So I'll say it, this is not a perfect game. I had some issues with the inconsistency of gameplay that's actually satisfying. I feel that there's too much gophering and ping-ponging, going here to this door and opening it, and then going through and getting a key and coming back and opening this other door. And I felt that it really broke the immersion and also me wanting to get into the story and listening to these characters as opposed to just like, okay, shut up, give me this key so I can move forward. But the combat is fun, and I like the pacing of getting advanced moves and, and different powers and whatnot, and it's really kinetic. It's not button mashy, although you might think it is in the beginning. I wanted more exploration out of this game. I wanted more optional content. I understand that it probably would have needed a map, or a better menu or logbook or a lore book so that you can connect dots and figure out where to go. But I think that would have made for uh, a lot more of a rich uh, and wholesome experience. Aesthetics in this game, absolutely amazing. Visually, audio, and kind of getting this behind the curtain, breaking the fourth wall story. That's what really kept me going, is wanting to be here and take this in visually and audio-wise. In terms of value, 25 bucks for this game for an MSRP, I just think it's too much, especially with other games of similar value. I think if this released with a $15 MSRP, that would be ideal and perfect, and I would highly suggest that you buy it at full price if you want to support it. But I think for on sale, anything less than $15 is really good. Uh, I think if it's under 10 that's where I would pull the trigger. I think that's great value. It's a flawed game, but I really think this game is a worthwhile experience, and so I do recommend it. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.